Trevin McGee from SceneStealers.com, and this is a very old-fashioned uh, Ma Bell edition of the Scene Stealers podcast. I am talking to Eric Moline via telephone. Yeah, landline. Yeah, that thing that, that uh, plugs into the, into the wall. <laughs> I think so. I don't know where these cords go. Yeah, well, um, I know this one's got a big dial on it. I had a big rotary dial I had to use to call your number, so. Nice. Yeah. Old school. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, we're here today to talk about three movies um, we're going to talk about. Green Lantern is the big budget box office movie that we're going to lead with, and uh, then we've also got Midnight in Paris and Tree of Life, and I misspoke earlier when I said we were going to lead with Green Lantern. We're actually going to save that one for last, and instead we're going to talk about... Um, so we're we're going to make you wait for it. Yeah, That's why we're it's going to last. Yeah, saving the best for it. Instead, we're going to talk about Woody Allen's new movie, Midnight in Paris. Yeah, I went to see this uh, on Tuesday. They have the uh, half-price day there at uh, at Liberty Hall, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, I think it was uh, it's Woody Allen's uh, biggest opening weekend ever. It was like six million or something, which is crazy. But, wow. Uh, yeah, it, it actually cracked the top ten last week. And uh, I have to say, I don't know why uh, Owen Wilson took so long uh, to um, to star in a Woody Allen movie because uh, Owen Wilson is fantastic. He he does the neurotic uh, main character, uh, you know, that Woody always writes and, and sometimes plays himself, but lately, uh, as he's advanced into, uh, I believe he's 75 now, um, you know, other people have kind of taken on that role uh, for movies that have that yeah. uh, in it. And this is definitely one that does. Um, but Wilson is very charming and very much plays... Uh, you know uh, his version of it. It's not, it doesn't even really seem like Woody Allen, but uh, he has all the affectations of of a Woody Allen character. He's stuck in the past. He loves nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, he's in Paris with his uh, fiance, and they are visiting. And uh, he takes these walks at midnight uh, because uh, his his fiance really isn't interested in. Uh, played by Rachel McAdams, by the way, uh, is not really interested in uh, you know the the romance and and. Uh, uh, the nostalgia? Yeah, the nostalgia of Paris. And, and he's he's convinced he's written a novel uh, about a guy who works in a nostalgia shop or who owns a nostalgia shop. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little, honestly, Woody Allen hasn't been very subtle in no. a really long time. And, no. and there are some very obvious uh, uh, things going on in this movie where I think he could have been a little bit more subtle. Um, he does kind of hammer the point home that this guy is, is stuck in the past um, and uh, can't live in the future because... His, uh, you know, mind. Uh, he, in his mind, he, he, nothing's ever going to be as good as Paris in the twenties. So, right, right. Um, you know what happens in the film is he, he gradually kind of learns that lesson, and 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 yeah, we we're, we're seeing that ahead of time, uh, and we're learning it before he is. He even has a big realization at the end where he kind of spells out the theme of the film, um, which I thought was a little a little hamfisted as well. But you know what, this movie is so. Uh, charming. I mean, that's really that's that's just the perfect word for it. It's it, it may be slight, um, but it it is very funny, uh, and um, you know it has sort of a purple rose of Cairo uh, feel to it. No, really, that's the last uh, Woody Allen movie I liked. So. The last one you liked? Yeah. You didn't like Sweet and Lowdown. Uh, no, not really. You didn't like Match Point. No, definitely no. You didn't like Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I did not. You didn't like crimes and misdemeanors. Nope. You didn't like husbands and wives. Nope. You didn't like bullets over Broadway. I did not. You didn't like mighty Aphrodite. I did not. You are a communist, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I haven't seen about two thirds of those. I just uh, 
just wanted to keep going. Okay, fair enough. Well, I think you got some research to do, but okay. uh, uh, you know, he do, I mean, he does. He makes that. he makes a movie every <laughs> single year, and and recently, you know, he's had a lot more stinkers than good ones. Cassandra's yep. Dream, uh, with Ewan McGregor and Colin Farrell comes to mind. Uh, Scoop with Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson. Um, you know, so I mean, there's there's uh, uh, whatever works, uh, which didn't work with with no, Larry David. That was that was Larry David playing. That was Larry David playing TV. Larry David playing Woody Allen. Right. <laughs> That's what that character was. But you know, this this movie really does play to his strengths, and and honestly, uh, there are a ton of literary. Uh, and old school art references. Yeah, uh, I, I heard a lot of buzz about the uh, Hemingway, Hemingway yeah, character. Yeah, so you know, the, I mean, um, there's a lot of of, uh, of people that pop up in in small roles uh, that do a really good job. And I'm trying really hard not to uh, even reveal what really isn't a spoiler, but it really isn't uh, the the crux of the film. But I just it's it's so natural and it's so yeah. uh, enjoyable the way it happens that I I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but you know, basically, um, it, there are a lot of references. I thought I was doing good. I got maybe I felt like I got maybe a third of them, <laughs> maybe maybe half. Yeah. Uh, but but um, you know, it's definitely a movie for people. Um, Is that, it that, a movie for pretentious people who really love Paris? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? It also makes fun of pretentious people that really love Paris, and I think the fact like that, that Alan is able to do that in equal measure. Uh, is what makes the the movie so charming, and 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 Owen Wilson really has a lot to do with it. Um, I don't think Owen Wilson is is going to be somebody who gets you know an Oscar nomination for something like this. I'll bet the screenplay does. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about him in this role. It's very naturalistic, and Marion Cotillard is is uh, in the film as well oh, really? as as uh, kind of another love interest for him, um, and and she's great as always and you know yeah. completely beautiful and just you know the the story uses that to its uh its its fullest effect and and yeah i don't know it's it's an enjoyable i'm not going to crow about it and say it's like this amazing movie or anything but uh for a night out uh you know you can't really beat it it's it's not uh it's certainly better than most of the romantic comedies and kind of things that come out these days so it gets your two for tuesday recommendation yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, it, I I would recommend it on any night of the week, even if it wasn't half price. <laughs> okay. It's a slight film, but a very enjoyable one. Well, good, good deal. Yeah, I I really I do want to check it out based on what you've said, what some other people have said. I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, but I think we've said all we need to say about that one. I think we should move on. Sure. Uh, Kansas City uh, yeah. this week has uh has the Tree of Life, which hopefully will be coming to Liberty Hall soon. Uh, but it opens in Kansas City this weekend. It is rolling out throughout the country a little bit wider this week. I think there's still a couple weeks left uh, where it's going to be rolling out across the country. But I know that it um, it probably almost doubled the amount of screens it's on this week. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see uh, how that does. But uh, The Tree of Life is Terrence Malick's new film. And this it is won the man the Palm Door. Uh, won the Palm Door at Con, And he's got, uh, this is, I believe, his fifth film in mm -hmm. 38 years. Yep. He's a prolific, <laughs> prolific director. Yeah. Uh, so some of his past work, people may know, uh, The Thin Red Line, yeah. The New World, uh, Badlands, and Days of Heaven. Yeah, and there are Criterion releases of, uh, well, actually just one. There's a Criterion version of Days of Heaven. And if you're going to see it, you should definitely see that transfer because it's, uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. 
And, you know, that's one of the things Malik's known for, uh, is the, the cinematography and uh, uh, shooting uh, with natural light at the magic hour. Uh, he's a very romantic um, uh, filmmaker in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, this movie, The Tree of Life, I don't really even know if we can do it justice by trying to do some sort of a plot summary. Uh, but what I will say is it's, it's lensed by Emmanuel Luzbecki, uh, who uh, did Children of Men and has done a number of other uh, amazing movies, and I am 100% sure he's going to win the Oscar for cinematography this oh, yeah, year. Oh, yeah, he absolutely should. It's a uh, gorgeous, I mean, like, for just every frame of this movie, this movie is, is beautiful. And so, you know, gorgeous, here's... Gorgeous movie. Yeah, and, and here's what's interesting. When writing my review, I kind of realized this. There are uh, a lot of, uh, you may you may look at them as flights of fancy in sure. this movie, where uh, you've got this uh, story of... Uh, the 1950s, Waco, Texas, Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain are parents. They've got three boys, uh, you know, growing up, um, a very slice-of-life kind of uh, uh, thing going on. But then there's all kinds of other imagery and other things being captured on film but, yeah. um, that, that go into kind of the birth of the universe and our I would, place in the world. Yeah, I would say it's Malick's theory of everything. Theory of everything, You know, nice. like, that, that's, that's kind of... This is sort of his treatise on on who we are and where we came from and what, where we're going. Well, what I was going to say about the the cinematography is that despite this romantic, uh, you know, beautiful uh, cinematography and and just the way that he captures all these images, I was thinking back at the film and I thought, you know, it's remarkably realistic. And, yeah. And, and the reason for that is the camera never stops moving, so it does have uh, kind of a a handheld feel, but it's just, it's way more fluid than normal yeah. handheld cameras. And the other thing is that um, he captures these moments of, of truth on, on, on camera like a uh, few filmmakers can actually do. It's not uh, the moment of conflict, but maybe the moment uh, directly following a conflict, something that's, that's happened to one of the kids, uh, and he's reflecting on it. And then, of course, there's, um, you know, the narration uh, technique, which he uses in all of his movies, and, and uh, he's, he's doing it again here, and, and you know, the, the, the uh, 11 or 12-year-old boy, Jack, in the, in the film who's the main character, yeah. um, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's pretty poetic, but, you know, it's, it is real. Well, they're all poets. I mean, even the, the mom, the, 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 the dialogue or the voiceover that the mom has is very much, it's very serene and very poetic. I mean, Anytime there's voiceover, I almost divorced the voiceover from the character because it was, um, it was clearly Malik's voice, you know, just kind of coming through these different people. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously these are inner monologues. These are not things that they speak out loud. Yeah. So um, the characters do not uh, voice narration in the same way that they would that they would speak. Um, it's a, it's almost a whispered whispered kind of hushed tone. Um, we've seen it before in his movies, and um, so it's no surprise to see it again, but I think uh, the thing that impresses me the most about The Tree of Life is that at first, when you're viewing all these uh, seemingly unrelated uh, images of volcanoes and nature and bacteria and uh, microbes and dinosaurs, uh, you, you're not really sure what to make of it. And I think that even during the middle of the film, which is uh, the 90 minutes uh, uh, center, center of the film that takes place in Waco, which is really kind of a a slice of life kind of character uh, thing with the, with the kids and the family. Yeah. Um, even during that, you're not quite sure what to make of it. But somehow, when the entire film was over, it was almost like I my brain had cataloged all of these images that were just kind of sitting there, 
waiting for context, and it kind of went through the card catalog and, and put them all into separate places. And, and, and the movie for me, uh, was, it was the absolute most moving thing I've seen uh, in a long time. Uh, yeah, it and, killed and you. It, it, really, worked. it really floored you, yeah. I remember talking to you right afterwards, and you were you were pretty uh, you you were pretty leveled at that point. Yeah, I, I you know I had to write the review after after one review or after one viewing, and uh, I I don't know that that is I, I'm sure that uh, after watching it again soon, which I plan to, uh, if I was to write another review, I could probably uh, come up with completely different things to say about it. Yeah. Um, and I take it that you didn't have that reaction. My thing was, I, I, I agree with you. I do want to see it again. It's definitely a movie that warrants repeat viewings if you can stand to watch it a second time. And I don't mean that in like, oh, it's, it's terrible, you shouldn't watch it a second time. But you're either going to be on board with the movie or you're not. Um, and you're going to be on board with what Malik does with it or you're not. Um, because it is, it is very much a... It's a, a giant view of the history of earth and life in general and then it's also a tiny 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 narrow story about one family in one little town at one tiny point in the universe's vast history but didn't you feel and like that the themes in the in the in the story of the family were reflected in some of the other imagery i mean yeah the idea the 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 loss of of uh innocence and the and the idea of uh um Brad Pitt's character comes to this this realization that he's been striving his entire life for something he's never going to reach, and uh, he should have realized, you know, the moments that he had uh, with his family were were going yeah, to be his best stuff. moments. And what's up? I said, no, who's spoiling stuff? I'm not really spoiling it. I'm just I'm just saying that these themes uh, that that you, you know seem it. like you just these told little. A bunch of- you just told a bunch of plot points from okay. the movie. You are well, spoiling it. It's not a plot-oriented movie. I could no. Plot Here's the, the thing. That, thing. That's what I'm trying to. It. That's what I'm trying to explain here. Is it is not a traditional movie, and I really respect it for that. Like it is not, in any sense of the word, a traditional movie. It's not paced traditionally. The story structure is not not traditional. Um, if you go expecting a two-hour movie that is a, a a drama with a clear beginning, middle, and end, you're you're going to be disappointed. You are not going to, you might like what you end up seeing, but it's not going to be what you thought it was. This absolutely has um, the most clear beginning and end of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the beginning and the end of everything. Well, that was your interpretation of the the, the end. But anyway, the point is <laughs> it's a totally different kind of movie experience, and I really respected it for that, because it is slower paced, even though it's two hours, um, and it, it moves in sort of uh, orchestral movements. There's three parts to the movie, three movements really and um, it, it either you, you're either going to think that it works or that it doesn't but I think that the, the thing I'm most impressed by it is that it's not, it's Malick's vision and it's not dumbed down and it's not um, sort of diluted or, or or cheapened in any way I mean it's, it's his story told the way that he wanted to tell it and I really respect it for that. Um, I want to see it a second time because I really didn't. I really didn't have that emotional connection to it that you did. I thought it was very pretentious and very self-indulgent. Absolutely. And and that really alienated me quickly um, because that family in Waco may as well be his family. And maybe if I didn't know anything about him, uh, it would that wouldn't be a problem for me. But it was a problem for me. 
he made it about his family and about his experience growing up and all about his life. I love personal filmmaking. I don't understand why that would alienate you. Well, because it's a giant story about the universe that ends up being about him. Well, it's just and about one family's place in the universe. Yeah, about his family's place in the universe. <laughs> so you know? so uh, there are a lot of experiences that are sort of that are, that are universal there, but at the same time, I felt like he was trying to work through his own stuff. You know, I you felt know, like he was just trying to work through his own baggage. The stuff and that happened in the 50s. That really bothered me. In that time period, I think, is very... Uh, is 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 very uh, is something that people um, can really latch on to in a, in a general sense. Obviously, you were affected by it, but I think the the whole '50s white picket fence, perfect family, uh, that kind of thing. You know, the nuclear family, the the uh, parents that haven't divorced. Um, you know, and just the whole idea of growing up in that time period is a very American thing. It's a very it's kind of a template that everybody uh, understands. Yeah. So I I don't know. I didn't feel like that at all. I felt like it was a very universal uh, type story. And, and um, the fact that he was realizing all these, these perfect little moments, like, uh, you know, the, this moment of peer pressure and, and this moment of jealousy between uh, two brothers, um, you know, anger towards their father, fear towards their father. I mean, all these, all these little tiny moments um, that are just, they just seem like they're unfolding right in front of your eyes. And uh, you know, there. It, like I said, it's always right before, right after. Uh, it's 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 just it, it gives you an, an overall picture, a bigger picture, of everything that that family experienced, and then you put that in the context of everything that you're experiencing uh, through the visuals of the film, and um, you know, you realize that the world is a an incredibly large place, and that the same stories are being repeated over and over again. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. So for for me, I mean, it's it's hands down best movie of the year. Um, it's a four stars for me. Uh, I haven't stopped thinking about it. It took me a month after seeing it to finally get around to writing about it, and um, I'm really excited to see it again. But but like you said, if you don't love cinema, if you don't like going to the movies to experience something that moves you yeah. or see something you haven't seen before, don't go see this movie. You know, go see uh, Green Lantern or whatever. If 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 that's what you're in the mood for this weekend, but um, if you if you do like to be challenged and and uh, amazed and and stunned, <laughs> then go see this movie and and see what it does to you. See what it if you connect with it or not. It, yeah. it, it's definitely worth checking out just on that level. You know. I would agree. I mean, I like I said, there there were some things that I very much liked about it, even off my first impression. I definitely want to see it again. Um, I definitely want to just. I mean. Even if even if the plot turns me off again, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous movie, and really a triumph in terms of what he, what Malick's done up to this point. I mean, I, I love, I love his movies. Badlands is one of my favorite movies ever. May, it might be my favorite, but this is just filmmaking on a different, whole different level, whole different plane. Yeah, it's uh, nice to see him taking his already. Uh, experimental kind of far out form, and expanding that and going even farther with it. Yeah, it really because is beyond it's, it's such a ramshackle collection of, like, of of images at the beginning. I mean, you get glimpses from the family, and then you get there are just so many. That, yeah, it finally settles down after the first thirty minutes, and then there's a, that second movement. I mean, up to that second part where you know you see the beginning and you see how. You know, it, it sort of takes back through time and shows all, all that imagery as as the world, you know, is born and then and then develops. 
that's gorgeous. Like that's that's just just gorgeous, flat out. Amazing. Well, you know, and and the fact that he put it at the beginning of the movie. At first, I thought, wow, what is he doing? He's really alienating the audience. But then I thought, you know what? The only place we're going to have patience for this is, is at, at the, the beginning. Very of the beginning. Film. Yeah. Because if we were spent ninety minutes with that family, and then we had to sit through twenty minutes of a nature documentary. Yeah, of a PowerPoint. Oh. Yeah, it would not work at all. So oh. what he does is he teases us. He gives us the, a perspective and puts that family in perspective, uh, and then and then we come back to it. And then the end, I really think the end draws it all together uh, in in a fairly uh, ambiguous way, uh, spiritually at least, so yeah. um, people can kind of make up their own minds what it means. And, yeah, uh, it's just it's just a great great movie. I can't wait to see it again. All right. Well, that's your that's the most positive I think you've ever been on a podcast for sure about a movie. So uh, that says anything, because you're usually a cynical ass. So thank you. Speaking of cynical, you asses, hate everything. Let's talk about Green Lantern. Oh, good. Yeah, let's let's finish up with Ryan Reynolds and the uh, big budget Hollywood vehicle, the Green Lantern. It's directed by Martin Campbell, um, who previously has done what Goldeneye and what else has he done? Well, he did Casino Royale. Cause, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did Casino Royale. Best Bond movie ever. Yep, uh, I would agree with that statement. He also did the next one, though, didn't he? No. Oh, he didn't? Nope. Okay. So, he did Casino Royale, and then, then that's that. And um, it stars Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, the DC Comics uh, alter ego to the Green Lantern, an internet or an interstellar superhero who's a member of a giant um, core of superheroes called the Green, the Green Lantern Corps. And uh, it also stars Blake Lively as his love interest, and then Peter Skarsgård as, what's his character's name? I don't even remember. Peter Sarsgaard, Hector Hammond. Oh, Sarsgaard. Hector Hammond? Yeah. So uh, Sarsgaard is actually one of the best parts of this movie, and it's a shame because they don't give him a lot of screen time in this film. Oh, really? If there was, uh, you know, a, a personal villain, if there's one thing the Marvel uh, adaptations have learned, it's that you need to make the superhero face his personal fears as well. Right. And uh, in a way, Hector Hammond is tied uh, to Hal Jordan's character, so he's the personal. There's a bigger, overarching uh, cosmic villain, uh, but Hector Hammond is the one on Earth, and Peter Sarsgaard just does this great job of making this uh, pathetic, uh, uh, you know, teacher, this pathetic professor, yeah. science professor, be very, very uh, likable, and and you really feel sorry for this guy, and so. Uh, when he uh, starts turning evil in the classic way, uh, because uh, he's been touched by some some otherworldly force, uh, you really feel for him, and he and he, he does a good job and has a, a couple really great scenes where he's um, uh, able to to do some stuff with that. Uh, his father is played by Tim Robbins. Oh, really? In, in a completely thankless uh, role, uh, and and Tim Robbins is he doesn't really add anything to it, but he plays a politician. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Blake Lively earlier. She doesn't do a lot here either. I mean, she's very pretty, uh, and at the beginning of the film, the, there's a little sparks flying between uh, her and Reynolds. But yeah. as, as the film goes on, it's very obvious that uh, Campbell... Is she ever the damsel? No, she's not, she's not really the damsel. I mean, there's yeah, I guess there's one scene where she is, yeah, damsel in distress. But, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Campbell is, is, is really sticking to a very tried-and-true formula here when it comes to the way this movie is presented. Uh, and I think the reason that he does that is because it's, it's a sturdy template. You know it works. 
Uh, and, and that is because all of the things surrounding that, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, hero who doesn't know if he wants the responsibility uh, template, everything surrounding that is completely ridiculous. Uh, the, the Green Lantern is powered by uh, Will, and Will is is a green glowing substance. Sure. And and, and this is Everyone we, knows we that. hear that yeah we hear this from the uh, the aliens on the other planets. Um, and then of course the enemy of Will is fear. Oh and, yeah. And fear is is a yellow. I was going to say Grace. I thought Grace would be the yeah enemy of Will. <laughs> no, they, you're thinking of Tree of Life again. Oh yeah, right. The, the two paths. Yeah, maybe maybe they could do Green Lantern crossed with Tree of Life. That'd be a good mashup. Oh, that'd be great because he'd be there from the very beginning of the universe all the way up until the parallax came. And there you go. And then he could have some poetic uh, narration. Yeah, and then, and then just from past Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds movies. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds movies. Ryan Reynolds and waiting. There yeah, you go. Be good. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so it's just inherent to the story. There's just so many things that are just laughable uh, about Green Lantern. And and I have to say, I went in with to this movie with such low expectations that there was no way the movie could be worse than I thought it was going to be. And, and in that respect, it kind of surprised me. Uh, what I told the, the, the publicist on the way out at the screening uh, was that I didn't hate the film. Um, I don't know. I think this is a minor rock fist down. If I have to give it a scene stealer rating, a minor. Yeah, just a minor. Huh. Absolutely. Yeah, this movie does not suck completely. So it's not insulting. I w- they should put that on the poster. This movie does not suck completely. Yeah, it's Eric it's, it's it's not insulting. Okay. Well, I mean, if insulting means that um, it's the same tried and true cliches. Uh, uh, that you've seen before in movies like Top Gun, yeah. then then yeah, it's insulting. But is there um, a is there a shirtless volleyball scene? No, but he's shirtless in the first scene in the film. Of course, <laughs> of yeah. course. I mean, you know, so here's what it, here's what it's missing. It's missing a sparkling script. The dialogue is terrible. Yeah. Okay. Um, it because it's plotted in a very efficient manner. It moves along so that you don't really notice that the dialogue is terrible. So so it's forgivable. But it would have been nice if they could have punched it up. Uh, and it would have been nice. This is the second thing. If they would have done what they did in, in what Marvel did in Thor, which was um, acknowledge the fact that the premise was ridiculous a little bit more. There's a couple scenes like that uh, with Reynolds, but he doesn't really sell it, which is yeah. interesting because we know this guy can be funny. In Thor, I think they did a really good job of uh, doing a lot of nods and winks to the audience, and they did, of course, they did a great job in in the first Iron Man movie of that. So. Uh, Green Lantern is really missing that sparkle. It's just uh, a movie that goes through the motions. You don't really believe, you especially don't b- believe the romance. Um, and, and the inner conflict that he's supposed to have about whether he can take on this responsibility or not, uh, there's a couple scenes that are supposed to make you uh, feel for that, and you don't. So that doesn't work like, like Spider-Man 2 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the special effects, which, which, which look so horrible, in, in the ads. Yeah, they do. Um, once you get into the movie and you see the palette that they're working with and you realize everything on screen will be glowing all the time, <laughs> uh, you, you kind of get used to it. And I have to say Parallax, the, the evil cosmic villain from space, is very impressive. Yeah. And, and you saw it in 3D, right? I did see it in 3D, and I wouldn't recommend that anybody do that unless they really want to. Um, because most of the scenes, no big deal. But but this there's a lot of CGI. In fact... Portions of this movie seemed like an animated film because there were so many computer graphics yeah, on, well, aren't, on screen. Aren't all the members of the Lantern Corps, aren't those all CGI? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are a couple of them have human heads, but, but right. uh, are, well, one of them, I think Mark Strong might be the only one yeah. with an actual human head and makeup on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but like I said, you just kind of get used to it after a while. You, it's like, you know, buy the ticket, accept the premise, you know, take the ride, whatever. If you can do that, I can see you having an enjoyable, uh, uh, mildly enjoyable time. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot you have to ignore, but this is, not, this is not the stinker that people will make it out to be. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's not good, but it's not horrible. IMDb's already, or uh, rather Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes already has it at a, it was at 25% freshness as of yesterday. So. Right. Well, here's here's one way to look at it. If you've seen the Fantastic Four movies, this is better than that. Okay. That's a good way to spin it. <laughs> Slightly better than that. Slightly better than the Fantastic Those are three box-worthy quotes, my friend. Yeah. I think they should, uh, their publicist is going to be giving me a call soon oh, when yeah. they hear this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Staggeringly mediocre. Will you do me a favor? Will you create a uh, a movie poster and um, and put these quotes on there, and that that can be like the graphic for our podcast this week? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you don't really have time for that. No, those I kind of shenanigans. Had, I wish I had time for. Maybe somebody else will. If there's a Photoshop wizard out there. Yeah. Photoshop wizard, please help us out. <laughs> Make me a personalized Green Lantern quote horror poster. Send it to what, Eric? What's your email? It's Eric at scene-stealers.com. All right. Well, hey, I think we've got everything we've got for this movie weekend. Sounds like uh, um, if you're in Kansas City, definitely check out Tree of Life. And where's that playing? It's at the Tivoli. The Tivoli. And Westport. Yeah, so it's the only place that's in town right now, or uh, only place that's in Kansas City right now. And if you're Lawrence Bound for the weekend, uh, sounds like Midnight in Paris is definitely worth your time, and Green Lantern is not. I understand people who who will have to see it, and I might even uh, uh, if I if I didn't get to go to screenings for free, I might have even considered paying for it. So I'm not going to deter anybody that's hell bent on going. All right. So if you're hell bent on going, know what you're getting into. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's it then. We are out of here for the week. So we will be back next week where we review what's what's coming up, bud. Uh, Cars two and Bad Teacher. There we go. So two very different movies. This is uh, Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com on the phone with Eric Moline from ScenesDealers.com. Adios. uh, We're out of here. Have a good weekend.